Go to God in prayer. Father, it is good that we pause, reflect, and study, and meditate, and hear Your Word. Father, it is a life-transforming Word for all the ways that we fail to be transformed. Lord, it is Your heart that we continue to lean into all that Jesus has for us, that His grace and His mercy might meet us anew, that we might be challenged when we slumber and sleep, when we veer off the path, Lord, that we might be reconciled to You. Father, we know that folks are going through hard seasons, and so we ask that You would comfort and protect and give strength to Joe Maxwell and Barbara Hall and their health struggles. Lord, we pray, Lord, that You would provide peace and comfort for Eric and Lisa Garris on the loss of Lisa's mother. Father, you would comfort Sherry, Sherry Croning on the loss of Jack Croning even this morning. Father, we are people who want to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. And so, Father, for all the ways that you love us, and you care for us, and you give grace to us through Jesus, Lord, we want to open our lives up to all those ways. In Jesus' name, Amen. In my favorite movie, The Shawshank Redemption, there's a poignant scene in which the central prisoner, Andy, locks himself into the warden's office and plays a record of opera singers for the entirety of the prison. Suddenly, beautiful music is playing through the prison's sound system. And for the brief moment... The prisoners and the guards stand transfixed all together as one, hearing this beautiful operatic music. Morgan Freeman's character, Red, as he often does, narrates the scene, and he says words like this. He says, I have no idea to this day. Can't do a Morgan Freeman accent, so. <laughs> I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. I'd like to think that they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words. And it makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anyone in a gray place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, Every last man in Shawshank prison felt free. Every last man felt free. The beauty of the music liberated those prisoners that day. Gave them hope that true beauty still exists in our world. That a different life, a different reality was possible. And so I wonder with you today, is freedom better understood better recognized, better grasped by prisoners or by POWs or by people formerly enslaved. People who are now free, but who once were in slavery and lived in darkness. John Stott tells the story of Louis Delcourt who served in the French army in World War I. Louis overstayed his leave of absence and fearing disgrace, he decided to leave the French army in the middle of World War I. And he finally persuaded his mother 
to lock him up in an attic of their home where she hid him and fed him for 21 years. But in August 1937, Lewis's mother died. And so Lewis, pale, tired, and haggard, staggered to the nearest police officer where he promptly gave himself up, though the war had ended in 1918. Have you not heard the police officer asked that a law of amnesty for all deserters was passed years ago? You see, Louis Delcourt had freedom, but he did not enjoy it. Louis Delcourt had freedom, but he did not participate in it. Louis Delcourt did not even know that such a life of freedom was even possible. So these themes of freedom and liberation and exodus, we want to ask today, what on earth do they have to do with the Sabbath? What do they have to do with the Sabbath rest as we're in this six-week sermon series on Sabbath as resistance? After all, what more can I say about the Sabbath, especially from the Old Testament after the story of creation? What more can I say after, uh, about the Sabbath after the fourth commandment of Exodus chapter 20? Because I have a feeling that many of us probably think, okay, two weeks on the Sabbath, that's all there is to know. What else is there from the Old Testament? We know, yes, you know, uh, God rested on the seventh day. We are to mirror the resting God in the way that we live our lives. But get on with it, Pastor. But I'm here to say, even in the Old Testament, there is more to be explored about the Sabbath. And so let's look again at the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be opening the Bible, so it'd be great for you to have your blue pew Bibles out in front of you. Exodus chapter 20, we're going to start at verse 8. The fourth commandment. Hear God's word. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Word says this, hear God's word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. And so we understand that the fourth commandment in Exodus 20 is solidly and squarely, undeniably rooted in the creation narrative. It says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is within them and rested on the seventh day. And so this fourth commandment we've been studying and learning is really a beautiful invitation to enter into the rest and to Sabbath, which is rooted in our humanity that goes back all the way to creation. God commands the people of God to rest because we are made in the image of a resting God. 
And yet, the Ten Commandments appear not once, but twice, two times in the Old Testament. Jewish women traditionally would light two candles at sundown on the Sabbath to begin to remember and usher in the Sabbath day. One candle was for to remember in Exodus 20. And the second candle was to observe from Deuteronomy <coughs> chapter 5. And so the second time the Ten Commandments appear in the Bible is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Turn again to the right. A few books. Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll be reading verse 12 through verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. The second time the Ten Commandments are given to the people of God. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, nor you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And here's the key. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so in Deuteronomy 5, it's a little different than Exodus 20. Deuteronomy 5, no explicit mention is made of God creating the heavens and the earth in seven days. In Deuteronomy 5, primarily the plea is not observe the Sabbath day because of creation. Rather, the plea is primarily observe the Sabbath because you should remember that God liberated you and redeemed you as slaves from Egypt. Look what it says again. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. These metaphors for liberation and redemption and salvation. And then it says, Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so just like the doctrine of the Trinity is not given in its entirety or in its fullness to the people of God in one download as it were, right? But there is what is called progressive revelation. God's continuing revelation of Himself as the triune God develops slowly over the course of redemptive history. Though you can see it obscurely even in Genesis. Remember when God says, let us make man in our image. You see the doctrine of the Trinity right there, but pretty obscurely. And so when you turn the pages of the New Testament, what do you see? You see Jesus being baptized. The Father giving a voice of affirmation over His Son. The Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus in the form of a dove. You see the doctrine more fully in the Gospels and more fully in the book of Acts and the New Testament epistles as revelation progresses throughout the Bible, throughout 
redemptive history. This is the same that is being uh, explained today uh, and is true of the Sabbath. And so what am I trying to say? Let me get the next slide. I'm trying to say this. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath has a double basis, not a single basis. In creation, Genesis 1 and 2, and in the signs of God's liberation and redemption in the Exodus event, which points forward towards the new creation, to what God is going to do in Christ and what God will finally fulfill in Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. Sabbath is rooted not only in creation, but also in the Exodus event. Remember you were slaves. Remember that God liberated and redeemed you. That's why you observe the Sabbath day to celebrate God's great redemption and your blood brought freedom. That is, on the Sabbath, what do we do? We celebrate the glory of God on the Sabbath, which leads to greater gratitude for all that He has done for the people of God. And even in Exodus 20, the first time the Ten Commandments are given, how does Exodus 20 begin? Let me get the slide. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, Remember the Sabbath day. But we largely forget that even in the Exodus 20 Ten Commandments, that God introduces Himself as the God of liberation and the God of redemption who liberates slaves and brings them into glorious freedom. So that's a very simple biblical point that I want to make today. Sabbath has a double basis in the Old Testament, in creation, and in God's liberation and redemption in the Exodus event. So that's the Old Testament basis of the Sabbath. Well, how would that have been experienced by the people of God Israel under the Old Testament? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. We're going to read the first 14 verses. Exodus chapter 5. You can turn in your pew Bible. Exodus chapter 5, 1 through 14. God says this. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey His voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their... The Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens? The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose upon them. They shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. 
Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer a sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Is this reminiscent of corporate America? Same amount of production. Less people to do it. Pharaoh is a harsh and demanding and cruel task master. And so it continues. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says the Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day as when there was straw. The foremen of the people of Israel whom foreman's taskmasters had said over them, they were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your tasks of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? So this is what the people of God have experienced. Look at verse 4 again. Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to their burdens. Pharaoh's essentially saying to Israel, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you more work. Come to me if you're already burdened, and I will give you more burdens. I will gladly load you up with more burdens, for you are slaves. So we understand that Pharaoh is like this anti-type of Christ. Not lifting burdens from the people, but giving them more burdens. Pharaoh scoffs, is incredulous. Look at verse 5. The Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens? Rest is a non-factor for these slaves. Rest is a non-factor for the whole system of production and consumption that underlines all that Pharaoh is trying to do. He's trying to monetize the slaves. He doesn't care if they work themselves to the bone if they burden themselves day after day after day. And so now step back and now receive and imagine how Israel received the fourth commandment to rest. This is a commandment given to former enslaved people, mistreated people, burdened people, weary people who knew not a day of rest for years upon years upon years. It is to this people that God gave the gift of the Sabbath day after the Exodus. A day of freedom. A day to remember that they were once slaves, but God saved them. God liberated them. A day to remember and to worship that they had been redeemed by God. A day to celebrate their liberation and their redemption. Every last man in Shawshank prison felt free that day. This is what the Sabbath day is supposed to feel like also for us. Like a soaring opera that stops us in our tracks. Like this beautiful invitation to worship God for all that He has done. And So how would Sabbath have been experienced for former slaves in Egypt, completely freeing. So here's the big idea for today. Resting is a posture of freedom. Unceasing work and production is a symptom 
of slavery. To not Sabbath, to not rest, is to willingly subject yourself to slavery. I can't remember how many times I've read the book of Exodus and heard the grumbling and the complaining of Israel. Oh, we want to go back to to Egypt. And I think those silly Israelites, they want to go back to slavery? What morons! Who would willingly enslave themselves? They'd willingly slave themselves rather than trust in the Lord. Who would ever do that? And apparently the answer is, you and I do it many, many times over the course of our lives. If you aren't resting, you are a slave to something. Another author says, the Bible has a word for work without a Sabbath rest. Slavery. A study in 2005 indicated that one out of three people are overworked in North American society. And that was before the dawn of the smartphone. That was before the ubiquity of email on your phones where work easily crowds into the fabric of your very being. That was before the advent of social media that tries to distract you and ensnare you at every turn. Achievement, wrote author Mary Bell, is the alcohol of our times. We are addicted to success and achievement and accumulation. Achievement, she said, is the alcohol of our time. Workers are drug, our numbing agent, our escape hatch, and our anesthetizing behavior. If you aren't resting, you're a slave to something. Have you enslaved yourself through nonstop activity? Or are you a free person who knows how to rest and delight and Sabbath with the Lord? I love what the definition one author gives to a cult. He says, a cult exists anywhere where people are not permitted to say no. A cult exists anywhere where people are not permitted to say no. And so if you cannot say no to busyness, are you truly free? If you cannot say no to nonstop activity, are you living as a free and liberated person? You started out so well as a toddler. Your first words were mama and papa and no. But as we grow older, it gets harder to say no. A toddler is unbelievably free. A toddler has great boundaries. You and I, not so much. But the question is, do you say no today? Do you say no to the cult of busyness prevalent in our culture? If you cannot say no to constant activity, no to the idol of work, no to anxiety and worry, no to escapist behaviors, no to the slippage of spiritual disciplines, then are you really living as a free person? The Sabbath is for free people who do not let themselves be enslaved again under Egypt. You see, the Jewish people actually had a phrase for a Jewish person who did not keep the Sabbath. They called this kind of person a Tanakh Shanishba, which literally means the child who was captured. In other words, the one who forgets the Sabbath must have been a Jewish kid who suffered extreme cultural dislocation. Because only a Jewish person 
who had been kidnapped as a child and raised by non-Jews would forget to remember the Sabbath. And so for Jews, forgetting the Sabbath is like forgetting one's entire identity. So the question for us today is this. Have we forgotten our identity as free people? Cult is anything that you cannot say no to. A Jewish person who forgets the Sabbath was like an Israelite who had been raised by Pharaoh. It would be like Louis Delcourt who is technically free, but living enslaved and trapped in an attic for 19 years by his own free will and stupidity. And so Sabbath is a tale of resistance to the gods and idols who want to enslave us. Will we live as free people or will we live as slaves to the culture? Sabbath is a resistance movement to the busyness, resistance to the lack of margin, resistance to the endless cycles of production and consumerism that seeks to swallow each and every one of us. In taking a Sabbath rest, we are living as the Apostle Paul told us to live. Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I am a free person. I am a liberated person. I am a redeemed person. Lord, help me act in accordance with my identity. Help me be who I am. So let me review the three big ideas in the sermon series thus far. Number one, busyness is the great enemy of this spiritual life. Second, you were created to rest and dwell with God. That's your purpose. That's where you're created for. The beginning, the end. We're going to dwell with God one day. And today, resting is the posture of freedom. Unceasing work and production is a symptom of slavery. If you aren't resting, you are a slave to something. Sabbath has a double basis in creation and in the Exodus event. And friends, the cross is the new Exodus event. One writer says that we come like Miriam, the sister of Moses, after the people of God crossed the Red Sea. She bursts out into song. She's been redeemed. She's been liberated. She is free at last, free at last, free at last. God Almighty, I am free at last. This is Miriam's song, as it were. Look at Exodus chapter 15 just for a moment. Exodus chapter 15, we'll read verse 1 through 14. I'll read some, some verses in there. This is a great song. Miriam knows she's been liberated. Miriam knows she's free. This is what she sings. I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Verse 2, The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. Verse 6, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. This is the saving hand of the Lord. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of Your majesty, You overthrow Your adversaries. Verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? 
And look at verse 18. The Lord will reign forever and ever. This should be our identity as well. We come to sing, to remember, to break bread together, to worship, to celebrate the sacraments, to hear God's Word. Ceasing from work is only one aspect of the Sabbath. I celebrate the Sabbath not only to rest, I celebrate the Sabbath because there was an Exodus event. There was the event of the cross that changed our lives. And so like Miriam, we say together, I have been set free. I have been redeemed. I have been liberated. This is where I find my rest and my delight. I want to live as a free person. What does Paul say in Galatians chapter 5? For freedom, Christ has set us free. I'm a person who celebrates my freedom, my liberation, my redemption, and that's why I keep the Sabbath day. Let's pray.